Welcome one to the league scene where our one-on-one -on -one with AJ series continues. Today we're going to be turning the tables. Our special guest is normally the one asking questions to the players, but this time we're throwing her in the hot seat. It's a lovely welcome to the face of Fox League, Yvonne Sampson. Vonnie, welcome. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me on. It's... Um... It is a wonderful time of year to be talking about footy. I don't know about you, AJ, but I'm really ready for some rugby league right now. I think we all are. Two weeks out from the trials today starting. It is really fun times of the year. So what we're going to be talking about with Vonnie today, we're going to be talking her career so far, her life. And then at the end, I'm going to throw some wild questions out at Vonnie's way to make sure that she's right on tune for the footy at this time of the year. So... <laughs> Let's get straight into it, Vaughn. You grew up in rural Queensland. How was life growing up for you? Oh, idyllic. I had the best childhood. Um, I, I, I was born in Townsville. I'm adopted. And uh, so I grew up on the Sunshine Coast hinterland. My dad was a butcher. Um, so basically in our house we had uh, horses and rugby league and that was pretty much end cattle. Um, so that was, that was a pretty healthy... Uh, way to grow up, very outdoors. Uh, I think my first real crush um, was Paul Hoff. Uh, I do remember I was absolutely enamoured with him. Um, and, yeah, I think my dad was a massive rugby league fan, so he grew up in Balmain, so we were always Tigers. Uh, and then I think by the time 88 came along, it was such a big year for Queensland. We had the Expo 88 and, uh, and then the Broncos uh, entered them. So we would drive down, prior to 88, we would drive down to the BRL and watch BRL games um, and then, you know, watch the One New South Wales Rugby League game that was on TV at that time. And, um, and then by the time the Broncos stepped into that competition, it was such a revelation. It was such a revolution for, for Queensland Rugby League. Finally, we had our own team. And, and I do remember going, I think I was probably about seven or eight at the time, and I said to my dad, you know that I love you and you know that I love the Tigers, but would it be all right if I became a Broncos fan? And his heart broke. Um, but, you know, he said, of course, of course, because it wasn't just the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos were a team for all Queenslanders back in those days. And, um, and you know, I mean, prior to that, all we had was Origin, which we're so incredibly proud of. But, um, yeah, so I was a Broncos fan from, from day one. Paul Hoff was my pin-up, which I don't think is quite normal for a lot of little girls. Um, <laughs> and even just playing, you know, in the in the schoolyard, you know, a big lunch, you know, I'd want to be Wally Lewis. Or um, I remember Alfie Langer came to our school and I think he was about the same height as me at that time when I was, <laughs> I was about in year five or six. And I thought, my God, this is amazing, you know. So, um, yeah, no, footy's always been very much... Um, part of how we connected, I guess, as a family, you know, just those those nights, those Wednesday nights, um, sitting around watching the TV and cheering and, you know, with all the neighbourhood dogs going off and <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful way to grow up in, in rural Queensland, that's for sure. 100% and it's really lovely. You touched on horses. Uh, I always see you have these ambassador roles now, so tell me how the horses have kind of stuck with you your whole life. So lucky to grow up with horses and I think it teaches you a lot about work ethic and, and responsibility and consideration for something else other than yourself as a child and, and horses especially, you can't force them to do anything. You must ask and um, and, and take care of them in, in a really, um, you know, nurturing kind of way. So I'm lucky to grow up around horses, did show jumping and dressage. Uh, my grandfather was a racehorse trainer, so... 
um, once you know you end up getting a career and you don't have enough time to spend all your weekends riding horses. So I was um, lucky enough to be now partnering up with Inglis, who are uh, very established horse breeders um, and uh, and sort of I'm a pink bonus ambassador, which basically means I'd love to encourage more women to get into ownership of racehorses because um, a day at the races and sharing in the syndication with other like-minded women is a really special experience. Um, and then last year I joined the board of Harness Racing New South Wales. Um, so that's been an incredible experience. I have no board experience, um, but they were willing to take me on and I've learned a lot. Um, and I think at the end of the day it's all about the horse is the priority and the welfare of the horse, the well-being of the horse is the priority. Um, and as much as we love racing and harness racing and competing and all that sort of stuff, I think as long as the horses are well-tended and well-cared for right from the moment that they're foals right through to the end of their days, um, that's my priority. So, yeah, no, you're right. I've, I've always loved horses. And I think when I realised that women didn't play rugby league and I was probably a little girl before I kind of put that together, um, so being a footy player for me was out of the question, not just through lack of ability, but, um, you know, the NRLW was not even thought of at that stage. So I thought, well, the next best thing was I could maybe be the girl who rides Buck the Bronco around the perimeter of Lang Park or Suncorp Stadium. Um, so that was a career move and ambition of mine for uh, for a little while growing up. But, yeah, very lucky that I landed up in journalism. <laughs> I guarantee every single Olympics you just find the channel with the equestrian and you're set for the whole two weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, again, outside of league and horses, there wasn't really a lot of opportunity for sport, wasn't there? No, not really. I mean, um, I'm, I'm in terms of me growing up, do you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not gifted athletically at all. I, you know, I've, I've got nothing. Um, the only thing I can run is a bath. So, yeah, no, <laughs> watching footy is uh, just about the right pace for me. <laughs> Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. So from rural Queensland, how did journalism enter your life? Growing up in these areas represents challenges for employment, let alone journalism at the time, which did struggle with that lack of females in the area. Yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of, um, especially growing up on the Sunshine Coast, really the only industries to to push into were hospitality or tourism. Um, Even in those days, Sunshine Coast University didn't exist so if you wanted higher education you had to go down to Brisbane um, I think I always wanted to tell stories um, so once I finished year 12 and I got into journalism at QUT and and then it's about working out what kind of journalist you want to be and and I quickly realized I was really bad at politics um, pretty pedestrian at the general news round as well um, definitely horrendous at crime reporting. I'd find it really sad and upsetting um, and very scary. Um, you know, and going out to fatals and things like that on the Bruce Highway, just really, I, I just really struggled with all that. And um, and then I realised at some point through that, I thought, well, what about sport journalism? And I really didn't know anything about broader sports. All I knew was footy as a fan and horses, having grown up with horses. And... Um, I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a go. And, yeah, so from university, really, I focused on sports journalism and um, got a, uh, a basically a cadetship. I just started turning up one day a week to the Sunshine Coast Channel 7 local newsroom and just covering local sports. So, like, Nambour Crushes and, you know, Richard or Swans and Noosa Pirates and in the Sunshine Coast and Gympie Rugby League district competition. It was a really strong competition. I loved it. Um, and just so covering all all array of sports, you know, everything from pigeon racing to 
surf life saving, which was massive up there. Um, but footy was always the, the, the passion. But yeah, it's, as working as a sports journalist, my first paid job was uh, filling in for um, some holiday leave at Maribyrnong. Um, so I got in my little car and drove up there and checked into the motor inn and um, did my first little paid stint. I think it was over a summer because I remember doing the cricket um, in uh, in and around the Maribyrnong district. So yeah, and, and I mean bouncing around all those different newsrooms. So Maribyrnong, Bundaberg, Mackay. Um, you know, Townsville. It was all really good. I, I loved it. So I did that for about 10 years and then um, moved out to Sydney to, to try and see if I could crack the big time and got a job at um, in the sports department at Sky News and was there for a couple of years and then Channel 9 approached me and said, we've got a position open in the sports department. Would I like to join? And I mean, joining the Channel 9 sports department at that stage, I mean, I went, that was in their Brisbane newsroom on Mount Cutha. So I walked in my first day um, you know, like Channel 9 and, you know, sport. And it was like one of those big killer moments of your life. And and there's Andrew Slack, my, my the department of um, – the head of our sport department was Andrew Slack, an incredible Wallabies legend. And then he said, oh, welcome to the team. And then Wally Lewis jumped up and said, oh, okay, my name's Wally. Lovely to have you on board. And I just about fell over. Like, <laughs> it's insane. And, and then Ian Healy was our weekend sports reader. So he doesn't come in. They're like – I felt like such a, a massive fraud. I thought something's gone so terribly wrong here that I even have a foot in the door in this department. Um, and that was the time of my life. I had the greatest time uh, working at the, the, the Chongmai Brisbane Sports Department. Um, just great crew, great stories. Um, so I remember my very first uh, live cross uh, for Brisbane and it, it was the Q Cup Grand Final. I had to do a preview. I think I was out at Wynnum Manly and Wally Lewis was reading the bulletin and I was I'm really nervous and I can hear them saying, okay, Vonnie, we're coming to you in 10 seconds and Wally's doing the the intro and he said, okay, let's go to Wynnum Manly now ahead of the Q Cup Grand Final. Vonnie, welcome to the team. And my heart nearly burst out of my chest and I had a smile, a wide, big, it was one of those moments I thought, my God, I'm here talking about footy. Wally's introducing me. I'm part of his team. Like, that's just a, a dream come true. So, yeah, it's been an, um, it's been an incredible journey. Um, and then by the time I got to Wide World of Sports and starting to do some of the rugby league coverage, um, you know, working on your first state of origin, I was so nervous I could hardly feel my legs. Um, <laughs> and then the last seven years uh, working at Fox League and just being part of a, a crew that, you know, is purely focused on rugby league um, is is something that I just couldn't have even fathomed. So when people say, oh, you've got a great job, I'm like, no, I've got the greatest job in the world. It truly <laughs> is. So I'm very aware of that and very grateful. So by 2030, I'm going to kind of go back a little bit. We're going to work yeah. your way through. So you're hosting Friday Night Footy in Queensland. They had these concurrent double headers, which <laughs> I loved and hated because if you've got the 9.30 game, you're having to stay up late and... Try and bag for your favourite team, but talk us through the excitement of getting to that hosting position when you're talking with Wally, talking with Lockie, who would come on board eventually, talking with those legends. Did you kind of feel you're in the same league a little bit? <laughs> no way. Are you joking? I'm still nowhere near their league, and that's the thing. Like, I'm definitely not the expert. I'm not the premiership winner. I'm not the champion player. I'm, I'm just, my role is purely to bring out the best in those guys and the best in our players and the best in our athletes. And, um, and it's a job I take very seriously because 
it's my responsibility to the fans to make sure that our game day coverage is as enjoyable as possible. And if I ask questions that you're sitting at home thinking, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to know, then not, then hopefully I've done a good job. Um, and it is funny, like those those guys, I mean, I've worked with the best, like Joey and Gus and Freddie and Wall and, as you mentioned, Lockie and Sterlo and... Um, and that was at nine and I just, there was no, I was so terrified to walk in, so terrified. And I thought if I could just concentrate on what I know and that was TV and that was broadcast, if I could focus on that and make sure that um, the game went well from my perspective in terms of the preview was entertaining and, and it made you excited for kickoff. Halftime, we dug into the, the first issues of the first 40 and then post-game if we're asking the right questions. Okay, what does this team do now? What does this player do now? Who do we, you know, if we're doing that, then I'm I'm really happy. But I have to say, I've been doing this for, what, 10 years purely on NRL now, and there's not one single game I've driven away from going, oh, I've nailed that. You know, you always think, I could have done that better. I could have yeah. asked that better. I should have pushed into something better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to, to, be, to be able to talk and ask questions about rugby league to immortals and the greatest players we've ever seen um is is such a privilege and and something i'll never take for granted and at fox you know they all have their different strengths and it's really fascinating once you get to know them like cooper cronk sees the game at a, a completely different level to to a lot of them mal has this in, 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 in enormous presence and leadership and and knowledge in the game he's he covers almost every generation and every incarnation that you can in rugby league and um, yeah, we've got such a great crew and, you know, rugby league is a very broad church. It's, uh, it is come one, come all, and they all have very different strengths. And, um, yeah, so it's my job to work out what those are. <laughs> and you're doing a good job of it at that too. So with this rise to such a very important hosting position, being female, it brings the trolls, it brings the pain in the asses on social media. I guess this serves for the guys, the young girls and guys coming through. How did this abuse and negativity first impact you and then how have you been able to block it out yeah it is funny i think you first of all you've got to be resilient in life um and resilience is probably an underrated uh quality that people you know probably think oh well you know let's just block them or whatever but i think you need to i'm happy to take criticism on board i'm really happy for feedback um, but I think someone when someone's just being nasty for the sake of it or if they say, oh, you know, what do you know, you're just a woman or, you know, what are you doing anywhere near the game? You wouldn't know, you've never played, you've never done. Um, I, I understand what their frustrations, but really at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a professional broadcaster and I'm there trying to do a really good job um, and that's what I focus on. And I think it is hard sometimes when you, you know, look at your phone and there's messages there and people are being you know, rude or abusive. Um, but I don't know those people and I can choose to let them into my life if I want, if I want to engage with all that or really if I just sort of take a step back and say, well, that person's had a really bad day. If they're coming for me, then there must be something else going on for them, you know, because I really didn't do much to deserve that. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm happy to take feedback and most of the time fans, I have to say overwhelmingly, fans are like, oh, it's great, you know, like, you know, my mum's a massive fan or my auntie's a massive fan. I've always been a footy fan. Nice to see a woman up there. And I think over time I've noticed a shift in that, the discussion I have with fans because it used to be all about, oh, it's great to see a woman. But now it's like, oh, it's great to see 
you on TV. Like it doesn't have to have the caveat of you're a woman. Do you know, like I know a lot of men when I first started go, oh, you do a really good job for a woman or you do a really good job for a, a lady. And uh, they didn't mean it like, you know, like it had being a female with a disability, but you know, now I sort of get it like, oh, we love your, your coverage. It doesn't have to be, we love your coverage because you're a female. Yeah. Do you know, like it just, if you're a broadcaster, you're a broadcaster. If you're a journalist, you're a journalist. And I think we've had a, a big shift in that regard. And now there's so many other women, uh, which is great to see. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, look, people are going to get criticised. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at not really taking a lot of that on. Yeah, good. Very good to see, Bonnie. But this one's kind of a no-brainer to ask, but... 2013, you make a trip out to North Sydney Oval. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, the Chris Lee spots you out in the crowd. You get zoomed in on. He says you were talking footy. <laughs> what were you trying to convey? So, you know what? As hard as I've worked in my whole career, right, and I've worked in TV for 20 years, that is... By far the most watched thing I've ever done. And I was like, oh, my God, my career's over. What is happening? So I was with a couple of my flatmates and we thought, oh, the cricket's on. Um, and they're from Queensland too. So we thought, oh, we'll go down and watch the Bulls at North Sydney Oval. And we were just on the hill. Like, we didn't even take a lot of notice of what was happening. You know, the cricket can be a bit of a slow day. You kind of, you know, tune in, tune out. And all of a sudden... Chris Lynn was on the boundary and he was sort of pointing towards us and I was like looking behind us. I was like, who's he talking about? And I thought, oh, it must be part of the coverage or whatever. Anyway, I was talking about a cameraman who put a little bit of Christmas, little mini Christmas tree on his loins and was humping about. And so the people I was with knew this cameraman I was talking about way back from Queensland. Yeah. And, and you can tell it's not a sexy yarn because their faces don't react, right? It just, because you can't hear what I'm saying, it looks far more vulgar than it actually is. And it does look like I'm simulating some sort of sex act. But I promise you it's not that impressive. So by the time Chris Lynn was pointing at us and I was like, what's going on? And then my phone started beeping. And people were like, oh, my God, you were just on the TV. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then it all sort of started to dawn on me that I'd been humping midair on TV, which is pretty mortifying. And I think, like, it's every now and again, if I'm at a party, someone will bring it up. And then I go, check on YouTube. And it's got something like eight, nine million views or something. It's insane. It's insane. And, like, people type in girls simulate sex on the hill. And so it seems so much more um, horrible than it is. But it's I promise you, it's the world's most boring yarn. It just looks great when you can't hear the words. <laughs> Not going to lie, I took Chris Lid's word at face value as a young 10-year-old child. <laughs> I saw on the um I looked it up before we came on today and it said when I was looking at one of the videos, Chris Lynn's fiance beyond six. Yeah, I, I never met him. What it's bizarre. Anyway. Um, I had to bring lesson. that up. <laughs> yeah, a good a good lesson to everyone. If you're going to the cricket, just just keep your 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 wits about you because the camera could catch you in a, a very awkward moment. <laughs> Keep a low profile is what Vaughn's saying, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because Linny's a Broncos fan too. Yeah. And I think I'd only, I'd, I'd maybe, I'd, I must have just started doing some Broncos coverage on those Friday night double headers. Yeah. Um, 
literally Queenslanders used to see. So I think Lenny was like, oh, yeah, Broncos are going good. Oh, I think Bonnie's up on the hill. So, yeah, um, very funny, very funny. <laughs> um, back to footy. Nice segue. I was talking with Darcy McDonald last episode and working the sideline brings you the best seed in the house. So I've got two questions here. What were some of your favourite moments as a general fan watching the game from that close and also some of your favourite interactions post-game? I know the 2015 Grand Final will probably take most of this discussion, but what are some of your favourite moments, Juan? Yeah, let's start 2015. Let's go for it. Um, I think for me that experience was the the ultimate um, as a fan, as a broadcaster, as a Queenslander, um, you know, as a Broncos fan it was tough but I, I think just to watch that contest play out and you look back at the, good, the really historic grand finals that we have over the years and 2015 will hold up um, just that, that incredible finish and, you know, JT, we were sitting right there on the sideline JT lines up to that conversion and he spins around like he thought he thought he got it and then it, it misses and then he's oh, and he was like so I had Gordy on one side I had Lockie on the other oh. side and I know right and the plan was because we went to extra time and the whole thing and so if the Broncos won Lockie was going to go out there and do most of the interviews um if the Cowboys won Gordy, because he's from Townsville, was going to go out there and do capture a lot of the cowboy, you know, emotion and and try and get some of that those interviews straight up on the coverage. And then I, I'm just there as a crummer, right? So I just pick up like you know the loose ends, like a stray player here or a you know emotional mum and dad over here. So I just sort of pick up whatever needs to be done. So Ben Hunt knocks on, they set the scrum, Cowboys win. Gordy has run onto the field with his arms in the air like he's just won the premiership, right, personally. Yes. He's got no microphone, nothing. He's just run on like like this, like running, galloping towards the celebrations right in the middle where JT is. Lockie's on his haunches crying. And so our best laid plans, because you've got it, like Rabs has done this incredible call. We've got a maiden premiership for the North Queensland Cowboys. And your first thing is, let's go to JT, right? That's the person you want to hear from straight away. So Gordy's nowhere to be found. He's celebrating. (laughs) Lockie's beside himself, just shattered for the Broncos. And so they're like, Bonnie, go, 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 go. And I'm like, going where? So I just start running. I start running towards JT, I think. And then I, I I remember getting to him and I, I I was so flabbergasted. I didn't know what to say. And it's the worst interview I've ever done. Worst. I didn't know. I, I was like, oh, my God, what's, you know. And we're like, there's players and we're, we're, he, he couldn't stand still. And I had to grab onto his jersey because he's just, we're getting like in this washing machine of, of just sheer exhilaration and emotion and everyone wants to be near him. And um, it was, yeah, easily the worst interview I've ever done, but I think the greatest experience that I've ever been able to be part of. Um, that Yeah, so that 2015 Grand Finals, maybe any origin where Queensland wins is always great. Um, sorry to bring it up for New South Wales fans. Just, I mean, my first origin sideline, um, to be there at Suncorp Stadium is something pretty special. I mean, you can go there as a fan, but then when you're sitting right on that halfway line, right down on the ground, 
there is something like there's a rumble or a stirring at Suncorp Stadium that you can't replicate anywhere else when it comes to state of origin. And um, it feels like the, the, the wall of noise is raining down on you. And and you can really understand when players say can't hear a thing out there. It's just the atmosphere is so overwhelming. And it really is. It's that it numbs all of your senses, but then you're also so uber heightened as well in, in the sense of occasion. So just to be there to experience anything like that is amazing. Um, I mean, the, the, the historic ones, you know, the, the, the bunnies, the 2014, uh, just so many storylines going into that um, to be part of that grand final, just to have Sam Burgess and, and the great Johnny Sattler there. Um, there was so much uh, connection between the two of them um, and, and for fans to be able to see them side by side was something really special. Uh, and then the Sharks, I mean, <laughs> up up Cronulla, it was uh, most of that, uh, ANZ, that will, um, what is it now, Stadium Australia, um, but ANZ Stadium at the time, and I think most of it was sky blue and, and they were still there for an hour afterwards, most of them. It was, um, yeah, it was a, an amazing game. So, yeah, those, those sort of the ones that change history, you know, for a club and for a certain player, um, yeah, those ones are probably my favourite. Yeah, got some good memories there for sure, Vaughn. But 2016, as mentioned, so a bit of a changing of the guard at night. You take on a lot of big promotions, face of rugby league as such. So let's just rattle them off. Hosting most majority of the footy, Sunday footy show, weekend sport, I'll get on to Origin in my next question, but straight away, no pressure, right? <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think Sturlo, I can't remember what happened now. Sturlo was hosting. Cam Williams um, was there Cam for a little Williams, bit. Yeah, Cam Williams went off the Wide World of Sports coverage. I can't really remember how it happened, but anyway, I ended up doing, yeah, a lot that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sunday footy show was great. Um, just to be able to spend that time with, with Joey and Freddie and... Um, it's really sort of because a lot of the time when you're in a game day broadcast, you're really tight for time, so you don't yeah. get a lot of that. You can't really dig in and flesh out an issue. Um, whereas the footy show went for two hours, so you could really sit in an issue and really get into sort of the minutiae of it, which was which was really good because, especially at a, a network like Nine, time is so precious. So they don't really have a lot for you to sort of sit around and discuss someone's hamstring for 25 minutes. But, you know, for the Sunday footy show, you can do that. Um, yeah, that was great. And then, yeah, hosting Origin for the first time was, um, yeah, terrifying and amazing. <laughs> I'll get to Origin now. Like, this must have been, like, exciting on one hand, but the other hand, as you just mentioned, you must have been terrifying dacking your pants about no. all of it. So the question is, like, talk us through all these emotions when you're sitting in the chair, you're getting the countdown, ready to go. Is there more excitement or more crapping your dacks? <laughs> uh, majorly crapping the dacks. Um, and just a, a bit of a panic too, like, what happens if I don't, you know, what, what happens if I just get this wrong straight off the bat? Like, what happens? Like, you know, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, we're coming to you live, you know, and by the time you get to the countdown, I was in such a lather. You know when you you always get, like, a ringing in your ears? I don't know if that's panic. Is that what it's called? Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember I was I was shaking and, and just, I think, because I just wanted to do such a good job and... Um, I'd over-prepared, I had notes everywhere, which, you know, when you're in a bit of a state like that, like the words start moving on the page and you're, you're like, 
you know, you're shuffling your notes and you, <laughs> you just, you just want to stay as calm and as clean as possible. But it was such a big occasion for me personally and, um, and professionally. I mean, that was the apex at that time. And, um, and I remember Gus, he just leant over and put his mitt on mine and he said, you'll be all right. Cause he must've seen just how wired I was <laughs> for the moment. And then, you know, when the, when the lights go on and, and you get your cue, then all smiles and away you go and um yeah it's I think I just the the terror and the fear I think is just me wanting to do a good job and um I actually don't remember a lot of that that first game (laughs) I think I was just so um aware of everything it felt like it was going in slow motion but then it went in the blink of an eye and yeah it was it was definitely an experience and you, you feel very much alive in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, so moving to the next checkpoint, after ticking off everything at nine, you get the opportunity to be reconnected with the man that gave you a start at nine in Steve Crawley. This time you're at Fox. You helped start up Fox League. How hard was the decision to leave nine after obviously working up the ladder? Yeah, it was really hard. I was in tears. I'm not not a big crier, but I think it was. Um, I just working at nine and wide world of sports was just the time of my life. I just thought this is you know I've had the most incredible experiences, and I didn't. I, I, I it was really tough to leave because you do become friends with the the crew that you work with, and I didn't want them to think that I was abandoning them in any way. But um, Steve Crawley had had such a huge influence on my career and I absolutely adored working with him and when he came to me with the opportunity to be part of Fox League that was Australia's very first 24-hour rugby league channel like a whole channel dedicated to footy like it was a no-brainer like to be part of something like that and to be one of the first people uh, helping establish Fox League then that was that was just an offer too good to refuse and to be able to team up with him again I think Steve Crawley's the greatest operator in sport i'd probably say if you look around the world you look at some of the 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 origins the grand finals the ashes all those big stuff that australia really pride itself on a lot of that was all steve crawley and um i think in in terms of a global sporting perspective he's right up there as one of the best operators so to be able to work with him again um yeah absolutely it was just sad it was sad to leave but then of course you meet all the new people at fox and you become friends with them and i still see everyone at nine and um, I've still got great friends at nine, but yeah, the, the chance to be a part of something that Fox were building was just uh, an exhilarating step in my career. Um, but yeah, it was hard. I remember a few teary phone calls to Gus, who seems to be everyone's kind of surrogate dad. Um, when you're really working out what to do, you kind of call Gus and go, what do you reckon? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the crew at Fox are, are just like, yeah, it's unbelievable the people that we have working there and and the scope that we have there as well we have so much more time and space to to present the game in different and new and interesting ways and yeah it's um it's it's gone so quick we were thinking is this our seventh season or eighth season start in 2017 that's gone, gone really quick. It has, and I'm just starting to think we've lost what under twenties in that period as well. It's just a yeah. lot. A lot has changed in our league landscape since Fox League has come to the forefront. Massively. 
But yeah, the game never stands still for long. But if you think about when we first launched, how different the game is now, like even just the nuts and bolts of it um, and just the way that we are able to bring the game to you in new and exciting ways as a fan sitting at home. Um, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's really good like, to notice the changes. Like You notice how like the graphics, how you guys present it. It's really important. I think that it always keeps evolving to what the fans want as well. So yeah. you guys do a fantastic job there. So I guess as an extension to going to Fox, you've got every premiership game. But as we touched on, you don't have a grand final. You don't have origin. So my question here is, does it sting not to have the big event games or... Is it offset by the fact that Crawls has brought on those pre-game and those post-game shows a little bit? Oh, yeah, we're not going to lie. We'd love to have Origin and Grand Final as well. Um, we're all footy people. We want rugby league. We would, we want the biggest moments in rugby league. And um, and I know there's been conversations about a simulcast um, and when the rights come up in the next round of negotiations, uh, hopefully Fox will be able to facilitate some sort of simulcast rights so that we will be able to have a presence on during the State of Origin series and Grand Final Day because they, State of Origin is sold separately in the in the um, broadcast rights and so because it is a very different product mm-hmm. and fans really understand that it does take something different um, and then Grand Final yeah we I mean we do uh, do we do do a pre game but then we've got to play it on delay and all that sort of stuff so um, yeah we we all talk about it we all want to be part of rugby league's biggest moments because we all just that's. That's the apex, right? We, we play all year and we want to be there on the on the biggest day. So, um, yeah, hopefully we will see somewhere in the not-too-distant future that uh, Fox will be able to be there. Fingers crossed. No, no, fingers crossed. I oh, know, me too. <laughs> uh, so on top of the studio hosting, I think at one stage you had Thursday night. You've done most of them. Thursday, Friday, Super Saturday. Super Saturday's kind of your baby, though. I love it. Yeah, it's great. You get... Free, free straight games. You get, you just get to sit back on the couch, get a feed. I love it as a fan. But on top of that, you also had league life for a little bit. Now, as a fan and as a guy sitting at home, I loved that it was different. It was engaging. Like you, Lara, Hannah, Jess, you guys all had a unique storytelling presence. It was really, really good show. Do you miss it much? Yeah, we do. Um, and I think... When it was first floated, um, we were a little hesitant, all of us, um, just because we had never, we'd been really mindful to never trade off our gender, you know, like and I never felt like, oh, I'm a female, so I want to do this. And it, to be honest, when I first started, being a female was certainly not a benefit um, or, or any sort of door opener in any way, and it was absolutely the opposite. So I think for them to say, oh, we're going to have a, a show purely hosted by females. We thought, oh, it goes really against everything we'd sort of work towards. But then when we got in closer and we did a pilot and we realised that we all worked really well together, we all had different opinions, which was great because you don't all sit around and agree, Um, and we had different questioning techniques. So when we would have a guest on, um, we could all get different things out of that conversation. And I think also you could... The, the strength of being a female in that scenario, and I, I remember, um, do you remember the catastrophic summer we had with all the atrocities in the game and it was the, the cultural reckoning and we uh, had, yep. um, you know, we had multiple very serious crimes being considered, uh, being committed against women and the yep. game had a real image problem. And I thought it was actually, for the very first time in my career, a bonus to be a woman 
in that position being asked asking questions of our CEO at the time, Todd Greenberg, and asking questions of the players um, and the standards that we set as a game and as a community and, and how we do address violence in our homes and our communities and things like that when it comes to, to women. So I think we saw it as a strength and we weren't initially setting out to be like that. Um, and I think Dan Ganane affect, affectionately labelled us uh, the velvet sledgehammers, which I didn't mind because <laughs> players had come on and all of a sudden they just get clobbered by these really hard questions <laughs> that they probably didn't see coming. So, yeah, it was it was a really good time. Um, we loved league life and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely one of the highlights because um, I've never really been able to work with so many women um on one show that that was certainly never an option prior to moving to fox so yeah it was it was a great time yeah it's one of my personal favorites too and i love that i like to think that the game has improved its image over the last five years like this season like this off season outside of maybe like one or two things that happened in a previous off season it kind of feels like this off season's been relatively calm and it's a bit of unnormal about it. <laughs> oh, my God, AJ, don't jinx us. We've got Vegas coming up. Don't jinx us. <laughs> uh, so if something goes wrong, just come back to me, okay? <laughs> it's, um, but, no, you're right. And I think as a whole, um, the priority for education and awareness, uh, first of all, starts with the players themselves, then the culture of clubs, um, and then, obviously, the, the, the stance that the game had to take. Um, so I think I agree. I, I'm with you. I think I'm actually really proud to be part of rugby league and to be part of our broader community because there was a time where people go, oh, you work in rugby league. Oh, God, what's that like? Just thinking that it was, you know, something that was a really awful experience, especially for women, but that's no longer the case. And uh, and there's been a lot of hard work and a lot of hard conversations um, that have been had over the years. And I think now we're seeing, you know, a, the, the results of that and and we're in a far healthier spot. Yeah, I concur totally. So then we have COVID hitting across 2020 and 2021. I want to put this question respectfully. You largely escaped intact because footy kept on. Fox were able to come up with a couple of innovative things to keep you guys talking footy, especially during that first lockdown. But quietly, did the lockdowns and the pandemic take a toll mentally as it did for others? Um... I, look, we were so lucky in the sense we we just stayed on air. So we ended up just doing these podcasts out of the podcast yeah. room at Fox and just calling people on FaceTime. Like, I don't know if anyone was watching. Um, I was. I think the ratings show, I think people were watching, but no one had anything else to do. So they tuned into these wild and woolly podcasts where I remember once we FaceTimed Jimmy Maloney. He was in the south of France. And because he doesn't speak a lot of French, he didn't really understand what COVID was, but all of a sudden stuff wasn't happening. And he's like, what's going on? So we were FaceTime. We're like, Jimmy, what are, you, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, no, I'm just down at the beach, just, you know, getting a coffee. And he was there getting a coffee from Sam Mower's coffee cart. Oh, wow. And just living his best life. Like, he didn't have a care in the world. And I thought, Jimmy Maloney's a genius. We're all here locked inside our homes. And um, Jimmy's just swanning around the south of France, like, not caring. So I think it was um, yeah, some pretty unusual moments through those, those podcasts. But you're right. I and mean, I think also... I mean, thanks mostly to Peter Volandis, our Lord and Saviour, just forged on and, and got kept racing going, kept rugby league, really. Uh, we were the first professional sport around the world to be back up and running. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I, I think it really showed that we can, how resilient our game is, you know, like we find a way, like we, we might pitch pitch up for stuff and then they've just got to make it work. And, yeah, I was really proud to be part of, A, still being able to be paid. Of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, to, to be able to pay the rent. Um, and B, to still be able to do our job, which wasn't, everyone's experience so we were we were really grateful um that yeah we were able to get up and running and just to adjust on the run and yeah of course there were problems but um yeah we were, we were very we were very aware that we were lucky that we still had jobs to turn up to yeah that's a big point and secondly on this whole lockdown pandemic thing how did it feel to kind of be a voice of reason for people like every super saturday we look forward to hearing oh vonnie's on how'd that, <laughs> how'd that kind of feel for you to have that feeling that your voice, your panel, was that distraction that people didn't need? Yeah, distraction's a great word because I think we're all sick to the eye teeth of COVID and where we could go and we couldn't go 5Ks out from our front doors and, you know, everything Everything felt really tight and everything felt really serious. And so if we can offer something like rugby league and a game, um and it just gave a little bit of a touchstone to how life used to be and how life will be again. Um, and you're right, people just wanted a break. They just wanted a, a just a breather from the day-to-day grind that was COVID and um, and all of the struggles, the, the, the health struggles and the financial struggles that people were facing. So, yeah, and we were, like, to be able to just turn up to Fox, so we were, we were given, like, not the... I don't think we were essential workers because those were like, you know, reserved for people who were saving lives. But we got these little forms from Fox saying, you must be, you know, at Fox Studios on these days because we were getting stopped um, on our way to work. And police would say, where are you going? What's your reason for travelling? And so we'd have these little pieces of paper, these little waivers that we were able to. And so, yeah, we were just glad that we were able to get out of the house and and go to the studio and um, even though we all had to sit a little bit further apart and uh, we weren't able to share any food or anything. But, yeah, no, we were um, very, very aware that uh, the game was up and running and we were part of it and just very grateful to be so. I could just imagine with those waivers, like Blocker or Vossi sprinting up against the highway <laughs> patrol car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, it was a bizarre time, but, uh, yeah. And, and do you know, there, there were a few uh, rogue members of our crew that we were like, where are they? Well, how, did, how did they get up into Queensland? Like, they're not even supposed to be part of the NRL bubble. And you're like, you've just turned up on the coverage. What's <laughs> happened there? It's bizarre. But, yeah, funny times. COVID um, certainly was a bit of a, a, a line in the sand for a lot of people. Like, there's the before times, before COVID, yeah. and then the after times. Yeah. We're Strange. rebounding nicely, though, Bonnie. So, uh, <laughs> again, in 2021, you step into Ben Eichen's big shoes on 360. Now, I guess... Here, you're dealing with a lot of personalities that like to say that they're right and their word is the Lord. So how was playing... You're essentially playing referee. How was that for you every night between all the different voices of opinion? You know what? Their their bark is so much worse than their bite. Like, Paul Kent is a very good friend of mine. And if you knew Kenty, it would ruin his reputation how lovely he is to spend time with. Um, But he loves the stink on TV and he's... He's tailor-made to be combative. Um, 
so I was friends with Kenty because he lives quite close to me. So I've been friends with Kenty for for many years prior to um, Ben leaving. Um, and there, there was no replacing Ben. Like, no one can be Ben Icon. He's yeah. so unique and such an incredible operator and he has his... Uh, very well thought out, meticulous way of, of coming at it and having a very balanced conversation. And he just throws reason at you and it's, you can't argue with it despite PK's best efforts. Um, so there really was no replacing Ben when he left. And, he, and we were so happy for him to, to go home because he'd spent so many years spending that time away from his family every week. You know, he'd do the same thing every week and, and be away for those nights. So for him to have a spend more time at home with the family, we totally understood, even though it was such a loss for us. Um, and then I think just because it all happened so quickly, so I think Ben went to a lunch on a Friday um, and Dave Donaghy was the CEO and offered him a job. And so I think he had the job at the Broncos by the Monday. Um, so then I think I got a phone call maybe by the Monday afternoon saying, hey, Ben's leaving next week. Can you jump in and do 360? So I, I was never I never saw it as a handing of the baton. I was just maybe like a relief teacher jumping in to just kind of get us to the end of the season, you know? Yeah. Like, because I think we still had three months to go yeah. um, of the year. So I was very happy. And I, I love 360. I've watched 360 like every other fan, um, you know, and boo and hiss at the pantomime that is 360 and all the characters that <laughs> The villains that go on 360. We all do it. Um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. And then, you know, I think what a lot of people don't understand about 360 is when you have your production meetings and you just sort of touch, you know, so we're going to start with this and then we're going to this and we're going to an ad break and then we've got this guest. And I think a lot of it, they they don't want to give too much work. So, like, you know, the buzz of the world and Kenty and all the other journalists, Hoops and Reedy and that, and they don't. They don't want to give too much away in the in the production meeting, so they really sort of save all their bullets for when they're live on air. And um, yeah, I think the best thing for me was just trying to stay out of the crossfire. But <laughs> then you've got to you've got to try and keep the show moving. And then sometimes they'd say the most ridiculous things, and you're like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> that is insanity! Like, where have you come up with that?" So it was. It's just the whole thing is a production, and I think people think it's very serious, and it is. But it's also a lot of show and yeah. a lot of bluff and thunder. Um, <laughs> but they they do it well. They do it well, and yeah. it's you know it's it, it's good. It gets into the 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 nitty gritty that sometimes people don't want to talk about, but they're they're into it in their eyeballs. So they um yeah they love that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly right. So twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three have been different years for different reasons. 2022, you missed the first half of the year on air for a very, very good reason. You gave birth to a lovely little boy. How's it been becoming a mother and that experience for you so far? Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for asking. It's been beautiful. It's, um, yeah, I always thought that we would love a little family and um, we got married in 2018, 2019, 2018, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's around then. <laughs> And then we thought, you know, we'd, we'd love to start a little family pretty soon after. So, yeah, by the time Henry came along in 2022, um, yeah, very, very grateful. And, uh, yeah, it's been beautiful. It's funny. If you just, um, I don't know, I never really thought about kids or being a mother, but then you realise I've probably been mothering all these rugby league players for years. You know, have you got your shoes? Have you got your suit for the show? Can I get you anything to eat? Okay, now what time are we leaving? So, um, yeah, really, I think I've been mothering all of them 
rugby league people for a long while, so it's uh, it hasn't been too much of a shock for me. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been beautiful. We're so lucky. Yeah, it looks like you're having an absolute ball. So last footy season, you returned sort of to your storytelling roots, stepping into face to face, doing a lot of the legends of the game. A cup, a lot of them struck a nerve with league fans. I think everyone looks at Daniel Anderson and that tragic story, and then also sadly the late Carl Webb, which the Broncos have honoured with that, naming that gym after him where he's holding all those records. So talk us through how important it is to get those stories of such significant sadness as well with Anderson and with Webby as well, how to get them across importantly. I think we're in a position where we can tell stories and life has light and shade through it and not all the stories are you know, end with a premiership ring. Um, some stories, are, they're more human, they're more tragic, um, but they're more real. And for us to be able to share someone's story, and especially with Daniel Anderson, um, who hadn't let anyone really in because they were dealing with his quadriplegia in a very private way, Um but then as the time got closer for him to, to hopefully being able to return home, he needed a lot of help to, to remodel the house and to get hoists in and widen the doors and things like that. And that's just a basic need for someone who has suffered such a catastrophic injury to be able to just go home. And if we can help you go home for someone who's given so much to the game, that's our responsibility to be able to share your story in your way and, and share your words the way you want them to be heard. Um, and I've, find that a, an enormous privilege to be able to sit and talk to people about what's happened and their experiences and um, and how is it that us as a community can help you through those really tough times. Um, so I I think one of my favourite parts of last year was getting to know Ando a lot better and, um, and, and he's just such terrific company and... Um, it's been really good to be able to strike up a friendship and, and, you know, we still chat or I'll send him a text through a game and, and especially when the Roosters were struggling, I'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the same question. <laughs> where, where are your fifth tackle options? <laughs> yep. um, and, you know, so it's been, it's been really good. And, um, and being able to talk to Carl, um, which we didn't realise what was going to happen because he, he seemed in such good spirits and, and really in all things considered quite a, a solid place with his, um, with his health. And um, he was, and I think also I was really determined not to treat Carl like a victim um, because he's, he didn't see himself like a victim. Um, so yes, we talk about um, his MND, but also I think let's just talk about footy. Like, because he was such a footy player and he was such a brute and he, he was he had that bloodthirsty thing to him and that's how we, that's how he wanted us to remember him and so it was really good once we sort of got into the footy stuff. Like, you know, we, we look at old clips of him just working over Monty Beetham or, you know, just <laughs> losing his mind completely um, for the Cowboys and getting suspended all the time. Like, it was, it was just really good stuff and how proud he was of his work ethic and his strength and, and the, the things that he brought to a team that was so desirable. And um, 
yeah, we didn't know that that was going to be his his last interview. And I was lucky enough, he asked me to come up to do this. So Carl Webb had an annual lunch and he said, do you want to come up and host the sports panel? So that was the last time I saw him. Um, and he was in such good spirits, you know, and he had so many hopes for the future. And um, and he realised it wasn't about him. It was more about helping others with the diagnosis and, and helping set up more support parameters around those people when they're, they're dealing with something like that. So, um, yeah, very, very lucky to be able to do, spend a bit of time with, with Webby before he left us far too soon. But with the older guys too, like the legends, they've got such good yarns, don't they you do. think? Like, and, and I know that you do a lot of work with the Rugby League Project and I find myself going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Like I'll start looking at someone and then end up, you know, a decade later in some sort of bizarre, oh, how many games at Bruce Stadium was, you know, like it's just, you find yourself asking the, the weirdest thing. Like, for instance, so we were cleaning up the other day and we found this old copy of Big League. Oh, it's wow. It's a really old copy. I'm aware this is a podcast. So for people listening, this is a 1989 Big League and it's got Brandy, a beautiful mulleted brand, uh, Greg Alexander and MG on the front. And I'm just flicking through, right? And then it's got a bit of a around the ground. So what's happening, you know, news from all your favourite clubs, right? And you're like, okay, this is good. This is, it's bizarre how little changes between the clubs, by the way. Anyway, the um, <laughs> the Balmain Tigers, and it, down here it's got, expect fireworks from Block of Roach on Sunday. The big fella regarded a certainty before the State of Origin team was named has not been considered by selectors despite a clean bill of health. And I thought, that's right, 89? Yeah, Gibbo was on this tangent of not picking him for origin. I was like, what's happened there? So I'm like, 89, Blocker had a fair year, surely. Like that incredible grand final. Uh, he was a Dalian prop of the year. Yep. Um, I and I was like, what's going on? So then I jumped onto Rugby League Project and you guys had it all there. And it yep. was like, no, Jack Gibson uh, didn't consider him for prop. And I think Queensland won three zip that series Yeah, they anyway. did. And I think what, ha- what was more bizarre about that, I think he and Ciro weren't considered for selection. They both went on the Australia tour for New Zealand. Yes, so they were kangaroos. Yeah. But they weren't New South Welshmen. Bizarre. Anyway, so then, you know, stuff like that where you go, oh, yeah, what a good yarn. So then I'm like... Next time I see Blocker, I need to ask him about what happened in 89 for New South Wales because it's, you know, just stuff like that. You think, and to be able to, I mean, back to -to face-to-face, the old guys have such good yarns. They do. And I love digging into what their lives were like, what their careers were like. Uh, We did a really beautiful one. We shot one with Wally Lewis over the summer, so that'll be a really special one. Um, I did Ron Coote, one of your... Uh, yeah, and we uh, we took him to the Roosters. So the Roosters got this really special um, little room just off the the side of their reception area, and it's this gorgeous museum of um, beautiful memorabilia, yep. beautiful stuff that they've curated. And Ron walked in and said and pointed to a photo. I think it was a nineteen thirty seven photo, and he said, "Oh, that's Dad," and his dad was there playing for the Roosters um, in a, a touring team, a touring team. I think they went to like. Coffs Harbour or something, um, but it was, and I thought, my gosh, what, how, what a nice experience! And he said, I've never seen that photo of Dad before. And so for for me to be able to spend time with these guys who, you know, helped shape the game that we all know and love, um, yeah, I love face to face. I love, I love that sort of stuff. Okay, so 2024, we're going to kick off in Vegas. Oh. Very exciting. Um, 
Are you worried about keeping all those Fox League guys on the leash over there? <laughs> Um, I think they've already been read the right act from HR at Fox, to be honest. Um, But we are so excited. I mean, I never, ever thought, like starting off as a sports journalist, I never got asked to go to any Olympic Games or I never got, you know, I was never in consideration to go to any World Cups or Ashes Tours or anything like that, right? Like, I'm a rugby league person. We don't go far. You know, the most exotic thing we do is magic round at Sunball Stadium. You know, that's and that's fun and that's that's great. Um, and I just thought about the moment I'll be able to walk in to Allegiant Stadium and be able to bring rugby league to the world. It'll feel like the world. Fox US are picking us up. They're taking us at prime time. Um, it, it's just going to be, I mean, to be able to showcase the, the, the little game that we love mm-hmm. and and have loved since we were all really young. Um, to be able to work on that is going to be something I never, ever, ever thought was possible. So, um, yes, being in Vegas is going to be definitely a career highlight. Uh, <laughs> we've got some very special surprises. I can't tell you who, but we will have um, a big name in commentary uh, yet to be finalised. Um, but... Fox is sending our whole kit and caboodle. So 360 will be over there. Matty Johns will be there. Our game day coverage um, will be from the stadium. Um, Our sets are very generously being put together by Fox US. Um, And we have some very special announcements around that in terms of it's going to be very similar. You may see it on the Super Bowl. Um, So it's going to be amazing. And I know so many fans have made the commitment already to go over, and I'm so happy because I think they're hoping, what, for 40,000, 45,000? Yeah, we're at 21,000 at the moment. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I think by the time we get there, um, and even just the the stuff around it, so the week leading up, the combine sounds really fascinating. I think it's a very interesting time for rugby league and um, for us to sort of cast a wider net and and just put the game in a different space um, and then just dream big in the game because isn't that what footy's all about is just dreaming big and then just seeing what happens and it can be life-changing. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very happy to be part of it. I can't wait. Also that weekend you've got the Nines, the Vegas Nines, and also an international with the US and Canada. So... We're doing. We're going all in on Vegas. I think. I think footy is. I mean, rugby league. I mean, I think rugby league probably lends itself to being more of an international game, don't you think? I love it. Yeah, I think the World Cup in particular. You just see that, like it just thrives on international teams doing good, like New Zealand demolishing Australia, for instance. Those yeah. Pacifica nations that continue to grow, Papua New Guinea, Tonga, Samoa. I think it definitely yeah. thrives if we have a stronger, healthier international game i completely agree and you're right the world cup's a great spotlight for that but then i think if we invest in things like uh taking the game to america who has the 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 biggest sporting Mm -hmm. uh, fan base in the world uh they might fall in love with it too and and then god knows what what will happen to our humble little game (laughs) (laughs) i love it so speaking of 2024 let's talk the soul Rule change, yes, another rule change. Uh, ineffective, contestable restarts are now becoming a play the ball as opposed to them being a penalty. Vonnie, what do you reckon? So I'm one of these people, I need to see it in game situations to really understand the implications. And I think obviously we're very smart in the game at adapting um, very quickly. So I think we'll see different tactics in and around that. Um 
and it just depends who adapts the quickest. That was the same with the six again rule, right? Mm-hmm. So really suited some teams. It really suited some starting 13s in, in terms of what body types they had and that mm-hmm. continuous play and keep that in motion. So, look, I know people are like, oh, let's just not worry about the rules. But I think, yeah, kicking game becomes even more imperative as we go on. But I really won't know until you see it play out. I'm yeah. just one of those people. I don't know if anyone else, but I can't really see it in my mind until I see it on the field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Darcy said the same thing. We also, I mean, I'm of the opinion that out on the full should remain a penalty. Like, that is a massive yeah. no-no. And as I was saying... You should be punished for that. Yeah. yeah. you got to be punished. Big boo-boo. But the short, like, the ones that fail to go 10, there's an element of luck. In that, like, you've got the ball that sometimes bounces a metre short, then the bounce either goes out or goes backwards. So I think yep. that I'm happy with that to be a play of the ball, but out on the full, I'm a firm believer of that being a penalty. But we're going to finish off by putting you on the spot here, Vonnie. I made you prep for this. A couple of these <laughs> rapid-fire questions. So I want you to have a player or players that you think will have a big season. So I'm going to put you on the spot there first. Um, the obvious one's Luke Brooks. Yep. Um, I think, you know, what, 10 years, 205 games at the West Tigers and by any stretch, it was there was some inadequate seasons and especially from someone who was Rookie of the Year and came through as the next to Andrew Johns, which was probably highly unfair anyway. But, look, Brooks, he said change was needed and now he's got that opportunity at Manly and I think that we could see him rediscover some of that form because when... It was almost like he lost confidence or he didn't have enough around him. So when things were going wrong at the Tigers, they just he just couldn't workshop his way out of it. There, ne- there seemed to be no plan B or he'd run out of fresh ideas. So I think with, you know, with DCE, he's spoken about him and how much he's picked up off him already. Um, I think we could see some of that, that really competitive gamesmanship that we have seen glimpses of um, from Luke Brooks. So hopefully he is in for a big year. The other one is, is Jack Whiten, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget, he's still got a three-game suspension. Because remember, he bit Tyson Gamble. Yeah, he's back so. against. He's back against the <laughs> Roosters in round three. And that game, that game against the Roosters, first official home game for the Roosters. Also now JWH's three hundredth. That's oh, going wow. to be huge. Massive. Um, yeah, I think Jack, as emotionally difficult as it was for him to leave the Raiders, the only club he's ever known, the only club that you know really stood by him through some difficult times and as hard as it was for him to leave Ricky as well, let's not underestimate um, the bond that they had. I think he has a deep connection already to the Rabbitohs and obviously he's, he's distant cousins with Trill, but they are very tight just as, as two teammates um, and Cody and even Cam Murray from his time at New South Wales. And we're already seeing a shift in Jack White and when he's starting to talk about, yeah, I might, might come back and play for the Blues. So he's already got a different frame of mind on. He's yep. feeling a lot fresher. I think he's, he's brutal ball running. He's so physical. Whether they play him at centre or in the back row, it doesn't really matter. I think he's just a footy player, and I think he's gonna um, he's gonna be in for a big year. Yeah, you think South's left edge is scary enough? Now you throw him at that left centre position. It's almost I mean, oh, imagine no. trying to be on that right edge defending. Shit, I've got <laughs> Trell to worry about. I've got Cody to worry about. I've got AJ now. I've got Jack Wine to worry about. You want to freaking go on smoke over the rest of the game? Yeah. Nightmare. Good luck. <laughs> um, my one's a bit of left field, but I'm going to go Liam Knight. Oh, okay. Why is that? Um, a couple of indifferent years at the Rabbitohs injury. He had a mental health thing as well. Um, 
you got to think he's almost guaranteed a starting spot with how light on the dog's pack is. I really liked what I saw from him in the back end of last year. I thought in a Bulldog side that was a bit laissez-faire, a bit lacking direction, he was one of a rare few that showed a bit of promise, showed a bit of thing, fear in the opposition. So that's my reasoning for Liam Knight. Josh Curran was close, but I think Liam Knight there. And then my other one, I've got a bit of a left field here, but Chevy Stewart out of Canberra, the young fullback. Oh, they very are good talking. really high on him, and it wouldn't surprise me if he debuts this season at all. Oh, that's exciting. I love ones to watch. Yeah, I had Darcy and I were talking about him, and it's a bit of a rock star. He's got a bit of a vaga about him. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's got a I bit of swagger. <laughs> Don't you love these fresh new athletes that you know, just step into the game and they're so ready for it. They don't seem to get overawed by the sense of occasion. They're just like, I'm ready, I'm here, let's go, let's play. It's uh, it's so good to watch. I love that, the charisma that some of them have. Yeah. Um, a club to improve, Vonnie? Cowboys. Love it. Um, I think well, the, the obvious shift and the very public shift, they've obviously taken up a fresh approach with their, their style and their leadership. So uh, Tom Dearden and Reuben Cotter replacing Chad Townsend and Jason Taumalolo, I think that signals a, a, a big shift and a new direction for the Cowboys just right from the get-go. Um, I went up and spoke to James Maloney a couple of weeks ago, who's loving it up in Townsville. And James Maloney's... He's a proven winner, right? He's just a champion. He's a competitor. So, what, two premierships, one with the Roosters, one with the Sharks, went to the grand final with the Warriors, um, was part of that initial building phase um, with the Panthers as they was becoming what we are now seeing, this incredible dynasty. He was there helping um, Nathan Cleary along. He was there in the early days for Sean Johnson. I think he's going to turn someone like a Tom Dearden into a winner. He's, he's going to turn someone like that into just a competitor and just the ones that are built for those big moments. And I think Tommy's going to go to a different level um, with Jimmy Maloney in his corner. And I was talking to Todd Pate and I said, I have you found Jimmy. You know, and Jimmy's the first to say he only stayed at a club, you know, what, two, three years and then he'd move on. And I said, was that because you wore out your welcome or did you get, you know, and he said, no, 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 I just probably, you know, bounced around. But he's really happy to set down roots there. And, um, and Todd said he's a great conduit as well between Todd and Michael Morgan, who are two very serious operators. And he said, Jimmy just comes in and lightens it. So he's good for the playing group in that regard as well. So um, I think we we know and love Jimmy as a bit of a larrikin. Um, but I think what we probably have underestimated is his gamesmanship and his understanding of, of shape and structure and, and just getting it done when it matters most. And so I, I think he'll be able to impart that on the Cowboys. And you look at their pack, like, so Scott Drinkwater was on the brink of origin. Reese Robson is... Emerged as one of the elite hookers. Um, they've got Nano Cotter, Fidiaki. Lukey. Uh, oh, yeah, in that back row. And then Jake Clifford, he's also back for just one year at this point. He's got a great kicking game. So he comes at a really interesting time back to North Queensland. So I don't know. I think the Cowboys will be in a better shape this year. Um, the other one I thought would improve are oh, Titans. No ah. one talks about the Titans. No Titans. one, no. Eh? We've got to get people starting to care about the Titans. Um, and Des Hasler's definitely going to do that because Titans are just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're there, but you don't really 
know or invest a lot in them. Um, Des Hasler, whether you love him or hate him, you, he makes you care about stuff. And so he's got a heat to work with too. I think David Fafita could be one of the best players in the NRL under under Des. Um, and Tino Fasuamalawi, I think, is one of those marquee Hercules that you build a whole club around. And he loves the leadership. He loves the responsibility. He loves the challenge of taking his game um, up to a next level. Uh, and when he goes to work with Mo Fodawaka, it's it is actually a joy to watch. I love those two. So um, Desi's got a big task just to work out because I know everyone was crying out for Jaden Campbell to get more game time naturally because I think Jaden's so special. And so the, the thought is that AJ Brimson will move into centre, which I think would be a really good fit because he's so fast, he's so agile, and he's really strong. Um, so he could be a bit of a nightmare. You're talking about defending centres. Um Brimo could be another one that you, you might be lucky to get a hand on. But, um, yeah, I think the Titans would be another one that will improve. Yeah, I've got the Dolphins. I just think you add in Farnworth, Averillo to that back line where you've got Hammer and you've got Jack Bostock, that young, lanky winger. Uh, Tom Flegler in it at forward pack. I know Bromwich is leaving next year but or retiring as – sorry, but I think that that just adds another level to their pack. And I was doing a preview, writing a preview for the Dolphins the other day, and I'm just – there's a lot of excitement around the club, but it all depends on their halves. It depends on how Katawa goes in year two, how Sean O'Sullivan partners up as a dominant half for a second season running. So that's my thoughts there. Um, and they've had no luck with injuries. Like you oh, talk, no. You, you take Sean O'Sullivan out. Um, Jeremy Marshall King was out. They just had no luck at all in that spine um, in terms of injuries. So if they could get a little bit of consistency, I love the Dolphins. Do you reckon they make the eight this year? I think they could get there. I, I think there's yes. about 12 or so teams, or 12, 13 teams that will be fighting for the eight come September. And also another factor, Wayne Bennett's last season as well. They want to they yes. send him out on a good note. But uh, club to regress. We don't like to talk regression. Yeah, it's hard. I think because the ebbs and flows of a of winning a premiership are very evident by the time you get to September, and, yeah. and you can look back and and say and almost pinpoint where it all went wrong. And you've got to have a lot of luck um, mm-hmm. when it comes to to being in that top eight at the end of the year. I hate to say it because I absolutely love Rick, but I think the Raiders, given and probably for the reasons we outlined earlier with Jack White, and um, they're going to really miss Jack. I agree. Um, and I think. They, the way they scraped into the eight last year, but they had that that really bad points differential. What was it? Minus 137, which we hadn't seen for their a long, long time. Their home record was poor too. Yeah, so I, they weren't up to their own standards. Um, and Rick, I think, is very honest about that. Even though they did make the eight, it probably wasn't in the way that they would have preferred. Uh, so no white and, and also the retirement of um, all-time club favourite son, Jared Croker, <laughs> yeah. who came out of nowhere and gave us so much to cheer for at the end. So... I think there's going to be a new generation in at the Capitals. Um, yeah. Ethan Strange, I think, is, yep. is such a great pickup. But again, just Rick's going to have to give these guys a little bit more time. And KO Weeks is another one. So I don't think we can really. And Rick, Rick knows you can't rush those guys. So yep. there's no point in 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 you know pushing them to the point where you know they're not up to where they want to be in their football. So, um, yeah, I just I don't think they'll regress, but I just think it's going to be a, 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 an issue of time when it comes to the Raiders yeah. this year. And then you've also got, I mean, Ricky obviously turned down a New South Wales gig because you've got Rapiner and Whitehead coming towards the back end as well. And he's knowing, like, he's in his, I think it's his 23rd season coaching. Yeah. Something unreal yeah. like that. 
and it's just he knows what it takes to win. And then finally, storyline to follow for 2024. Uh, I, well, you mentioned it, and I think it is going to be such a big storyline to follow, and I think it's going to be all around the coaches. So let's start with our Lord and Saviour and the inventor of rugby league, Wayne Bennett. Um, mm-hmm. Is this his last year in the NRL or not? I'm sorry, his last year at the Dolphins. We know he's officially applied for the New South Wales coach. Oh, New sorry, uh, New Zealand coaching gig. <laughs> New South Wales, geez, that'd be a young. Oh. Um, <laughs> Exclusive. Uh, I know. Um, you know, what's Wayne been in the, the, the system, whether it was New South Wales Rugby League or ARL or Super League or NRL, what, for, for 45, 46 years? So, Long time. Um, he doesn't give any indication that he's finished. Um, I don't think he'll ever be finished with the game. I think just the story will be what is next for Wayne Bennett. And similarly, what is next for, for Craig Bellamy? Is this his final year? Is it officially the last time we'll see him in, in charge of the Melbourne Storm? Um, does he move into a different role within that club or does he look for other opportunities? Um, I think, yeah, the, the Bennett and the Bellamy storyline is going to bubble along all year. And the other one I'll throw into the coaching uh, news cycle is Michael Maguire. First year in charge of New South Wales. Um, I think the intense style of Origin is really going to suit Madge. Yeah. And he's been very open saying that um, there are no guarantees. Everyone's got to earn their jersey. And we saw what he did. He delivered the, uh, an historic victory for the Kiwis. What was that, 30 zip? Yep. Uh, <laughs> like an unbelievable result. So rep arena, Madge has had a, already a great result and, um, yeah, maybe he'll. it'll be really interesting to see how this Origin series unfolds. Yeah, I like that. But I'm going to go the other end. We've got a couple of returning and new coaches. Benji, obviously. Oh, yes. <laughs> obviously, Benji's first year. He had his apprenticeship cut in half last season because Tim Sheens walked the plank. And then we've also got Shane Flanagan at the Dragons and... They've had a horror off-season, just cruel bad luck. Corey Allen going down, Ronald Volkman, whatever happened there. Uh, Amone deregistered. Um, they're just, and also their recruitment misses as well. We'll go through them. Dearden, Fenua Blake. Every November 1 target they've missed. So it'll be a tough... And they've been really public about, and I don't mind that tactic from Flano because if I'm a Dragons fan... And I say, right, so what are we going to do differently? He puts the club in the in the story for anyone who becomes available. Mm-hmm. And some people interpret that like, oh, the Dragons missed out on that guy again. But I see it differently. I see, oh, well, the Dragons are going out hard. Like, the Dragons are going for people. They want people to, to become a St. George Illawarra part of this new Flano phase. And there's one thing, so I was lucky enough to work with Flano when he was at Fox. So one thing that Flano loves is a scrap, and he doesn't mind doing the hard yards. Mm-hmm. Like, he's... He's drilled them um, this off-season. I heard, um, <laughs> was it Blake Laurie when he was saying Flano take their mouths shut <laughs> to make them breathe through their nose? And he said he just about passed out. Oh, so my God. He has been absolutely flogging them. Like, you talk about training the house down, Flano has taken it into a brand-new furnace environment. So um, he doesn't mind the fact they're going to have to do it tough. And, and you're right, I think Flano is probably always up for a scrap. And um, and he's got one on his hands at the moment with the dragons, but yeah, it'll be it'll be great to see what he does with them. Yeah, and the other one I've got is um, Anthony Seabold. We all know year two what happened at Brisbane. I like to think that that year off taught a lot of the wrongs right. Like he's bringing in the club legends. He's 
allowing them to be more of a focal point because that was obviously a huge issue of discontent up in Brisbane. I'm really intrigued to see how he works with Brooks, if Tom Trebojevic stays fit. Like, that's a massive trial watch for me. Yeah, I know. that Manly are really um, aware of always saying, oh, we're not just a one a one-player team, but so much hinges on Turbo um, and you can't get away from the results. They are a completely different side when he's playing and when they're not. So, yeah, I mean, I just hope... Because Tom's too good to to be let down by his body like this mm-hmm. and I think if he could get back and get that confidence, um, he could be the best player in the game again. Uh, but he just feels like... We're just all like it's almost like he's made of glass now, and you go, "Oh no, Tom!" Just, just oh, was he limping with it? You know, so you're just always on Tom watch. But he just deserves to be able to play with the freedom and the finesse that we we know and love. So, um, yeah, Manly will be good this year, I think. Fingers and toes crossed. Well, Vonnie, that brings us to an end. Thank you so very much. We're very grateful to have you on one on one with AJ. Thanks very much for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, AJ.